Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. I'm always grateful to be with you. I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful that you have returned as a listener time and time again. And this shows me that you are interested in the content that you find on the Nora Speaks podcast. And as you heard there in that opening, it is my intention to enlighten and engage the audience with information that tugs on our soul and consciousness, because I believe in the black community, in some respect, we have uh, allowed uh, unserving ideas, unserving uh, behaviors become uh, prominent in our community. And I think that, uh, you know, we have to return to our moral conscience. I believe that we have to uh, re-engage our young people with the elders. I believe that we have to re-engage with our civic responsibility and community accountability. And I just want to be a vehicle of that. I want to be able to continue featuring wonderful guests who are making impacts in their community in various ways. Um, Some people through the arts, some people through education, some people through youth empowerment, and some people um, through civic engagement. And for me, it's as important as I that I feature others as I also am featured because no one person can do anything by themselves and I believe in the power and in the strength of having a community and that is what I want to build here with the Nora Speaks podcast a community you heard Nisha Blackwell and Nisha is in Pittsburgh and you heard from uh, Sonia Prince and Sonia is in St. Louis and You've heard from Lenita Backwell, and she is in the Atlanta area. Um, But what we all have in common is our desire to serve a cause greater than ourselves um, and to do good. And in that, I find uh, common ground. Um, And so it is a pleasure and certainly a privilege to be able to share this platform with wonderful people um, who are doing great things and also to share this platform with you. Um, although the title is Nora Speaks, I do not think of this uh, podcast as my own uh, alone. I believe that this podcast is yours, and this podcast also uh, belongs to those who have been on it um, and those who have yet to be on it, because we have to have a vehicle where we can uh, relay messages to one another and do so uh, in the most authentic and unfiltered way as possible. And so that is just um, one of my goals with the Nora Speaks podcast. And I welcome you again to another episode. And in this episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, I want to talk about something that has been on my mind for quite some time. And I want to engage you in this conversation in the most sensitive way as possible. Um, For some, this conversation may be triggering Uh, But it's a conversation that we have to have. And 
I'm talking about protecting our children. And, and specifically, I'm talking about protecting our children from sexual abuse and sexual exploitation. Um, a lot of this has to do with parenting and child rearing. And it also has to do with um, re, you know, remind, being reminded that having a child is not an inconvenience. You know, when I read the scriptures, whether we're talking about the Holy Quran or the Bible, children are often um, included in a person's wealth. Children are often included as a blessing from God. And I think what's happened in um, the modern culture is a push for individuals to uh, make a way for themselves um, in, 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 in success or gain success. And we see where children are handicapped. You know, I... I I know of women who, you know, they want to go to college and pursue their career, you know, and then possibly get married and have children later. Children may be part of their plan, but they're a later part of that plan. And we know about the biological clock and how that thing ticks. And, you know, there is a, um, there is not an infinite time for a woman to bear a child. Um, but, you know, modern culture has it so we are often encouraged to put that off until we've, quote, established ourselves. And, you know, certainly, you know, we shouldn't have children, you know, before time, before we're ready for that. But I would encourage us to rethink the value of a child. Um, a, ch a child is not an inconvenience. A, a child is most certainly a blessing. Um, a child is a beautiful burden, um, and being a parent is a beautiful and marvelous responsibility. And while modern culture has us in the rat race and on the hamster wheel um, racing towards success in our careers, I'm talking about women specifically, while modern culture encourages us to race towards success, while we're in that race, where, where are our children? Um, you know, I know that child care centers take children as young as six weeks uh, because that is the, um, you know, that, that is when, you know, we're back from work from maternity leave. And, you know, fortunately now we have in America where Fathers can also take leave from their careers. Um, but when you think about the six-week point where we have to return to work and leave our child with a babysitter, we're leaving our child with a stranger sometimes, unfortunately, if we don't have grandmom uh, to, to watch our babies. Our child is going to a facility. Our child is going to a child care center. Uh, and there are some great child care centers, you know. And it's unfortunate that they are necessary for babies as young as four weeks 
three weeks sometimes, six weeks, where that child was being nurtured in the womb of its mother for approximately nine months, and then less than two months after being born, that child is then taken from the arms of its mother and put into childcare. And if rates are what they are close to what they were when my children were very young, you know, some of us are paying $400, $600 a week for a childcare service. You know, when you add that up monthly, I mean, the, the rate is just outrageous. And some are so fortunate that they are able to stay home and raise their children and attend to the, that, that child's needs in the home. But for many of us, circumstances are as they are, and we have to return to work. And while we're returning to work, we really must think about where our children are and who they're with. And not just with work. But even, you know, we want to go to the movies or go to see a concert or go on vacation. You know, it's common that we in our society leave our children with a relative, a friend. Um, But what we don't expect to happen is that our child would be taken advantage of while they are in the care of someone that we trust. And unfortunately, it is very, very common that our children are targeted. I'm talking about modern culture that pushes women out of the home back to work soon after having a baby. But we also are in a culture where we have individuals who are so evil and sick-minded that they prey on children in a sexual nature. And there is no class, there is no race, and there is no gender that is excluded from this evil. There is no religious title that is excluded from this kind of evil. And our children are being sexually abused, exploited, and traumatized while we're at work, while we're at the concert, while we're at the movies, while we're living our lives. Um, Sometimes even as a child is enjoying a slumber party, a birthday party, um, children are being exploited and preyed upon. And we never think that it would happen to our child. We never think that uh, it could happen at that place and by that person. But what we have to be very, very mindful of and what we have to be vigilant about is that there is no type of person. You know, it's it's easy to, to point out somebody that looks weird or that is socially awkward. Those people are easily identified. But what about the ministers? What about the priests? What about the grandfathers? What about the upstanding members of society, the politicians, the police officers? I have to say, there are very few people that we can trust, that we should think that we can trust with our most prized possession. 
which is our children. And it's, it's unfortunate that I have to have this conversation, but there's just been so many recent events um, recently where I think that this conversation is important and it, it's just not leaving me alone. It's, it's one that I am compelled to talk about. I've really been putting this conversation off for some time. I was at a, um, a, a program for um, a drug and alcohol addiction awareness. And there was a gentleman who is in recovery from drug addiction and he was talking about his experience early on in his life with abusing drugs and alcohol. And in the conversation, he talked about being an altar boy and being sexually abused and exploited by his priest. And his parents thought that he was in a safe place. His family thought that he was in a safe place. And he was not in a safe place. He was in the one place where he should have been safe or the most safe besides home, and that was at his church. But the priests preyed upon him and abused him and damaged him. And he described how that trauma that he experienced made him question everything about himself. And to manage the pain of that experience, he used and abused drugs and alcohol. And he spent half over half of his life and continues to spend time battling the demons that he has, not just, you know, the, you know, the stain from the drug addiction, but the stain from the trauma of being violated by an adult who he was told to respect, who he was told to obey, who he was told was honorable. So it's important that we don't think that there's a type. This kind of trauma can be, uh, could, could happen to anybody by anybody. And there's so many, you know, I can sit here and I can say, you know, the effects of uh, sexual abuse on children is awful. And that's a general statement. But let's talk about where that puts people in their minds and how that impacts the future of folks. So we have children who are sexually abused um, as young as newborn infants, unfortunately, and children can be sexually abused right up into adulthood. And the violations that happen, that impact us, um, you know, the violation may happen once, it may happen ongoing for years, but the stain of that experience or those experiences, they don't go away once the experience ends. That stays with a person and that impacts their relationships that impacts how they raise their children, that impacts how they interact with the world. You know, I've, I've heard people talk about girls and, you know, this girl is fast, this girl is fresh, this girl. And I, and I think, well, what would make a child engage in what we would consider inappropriate, fresh, 
uh, or illicit behavior at such a young age, you know, I'm taught that, you know, a person is made bad. People just aren't, uh, for the most part, they're not just born um, look, looking to engage in, you know, awful behaviors. You know, hurt people hurt people. That's a saying. And so when we see children, in, in boys and girls, engaging in certain behaviors, before we start condemning them and saying what's wrong with that child, we have to consider what happened to that child. We have to employ sensitivity, and we have to employ uh, compassion, and consider that what we're seeing in this individual might not just be some uh, dysfunction or some um, um, reckless, indiscriminate behavior because this is just a bad kid, a bad child, a bad boy. This could be this child having adapted to something awful that's happened. And again, most experiences aren't with strangers. They're with people that children know. Children who they're encouraged to love and respect. And like I said before, obey. Um, And so that kind of experience changes a person. It changes what they think about themselves. It changes what they think about their parents who were supposed to protect them. It, it, It changes what they think about the person who's doing this, you know, I work with people who are uh, developmentally disabled, um, intellectually disabled, uh, formerly known as mentally retarded, uh, for those who may not understand those terms. And when there's an investigation into an allegation of sexual abuse, the investigators who are working with these individuals who have a cognitive uh, uh, delay they, they know not to say, did your father hurt you? Um, did your mother hurt you? Did your brother hurt you? They know not to say that because to that person, they did not experience something that was painful. They, the, the investigators know not to say, um, did he do something bad to you? Did she do something bad to you? Because this ex- was experienced with someone that they loved, someone that they cared about. And, you know, generally speaking, perpetrators do not, um, when they're cajoling their victim, when they're persuading their victim to participate in something that is negative, they generally do it with kind words. They generally do it with the promise of a reward of uh, a favorite treat or a favorite activity. So they know not to say, did something bad happen? Because to that person, it wasn't bad because they don't understand that there were boundaries that were crossed. You know, so when our children are being victimized by people close to them, it makes them question that relationship, particularly when that person is someone that their parents trust, that they were told to trust, that they were told to obey, you know, just... Uh, over the bridge at Penn State, you know, the Sandusky story broke where this man was a well-respected and well-liked figure, but he was abusing boys who were known to be disadvantaged, disenfranchised, uh, 
and in need. And so where these boys are um, being helped or they're supposed to be being helped by this person who acts, comes in to act as a savior, but this person is taking advantage of them. This makes them question. This makes them distrustful. And this makes um, it challenging to trust and engage in relationships later in adulthood. You know, fortunately now we have a great push for people to receive counseling and therapy. But what about those cases that no one's ever known about? And so to prevent this kind of awful experience happening, we have to be vigilant and protect our children from potential predators. And, you know, as I'm taught, mothers have to be very thoughtful, have to be very considerate. Um, I don't believe that children should be left, particularly girl children, with their brothers, with their fathers, with their uncles. And it's not because their father, their brother, their uncle is some sick maniac, some sick pervert. But what we know is that this world is so sick. This world is so damaged. We don't know where it can happen and who it can happen with. And this is not, you know, Nora coming on the podcast and trying to create suspicion in your household. But I want you as a mother, as a father, to be concerned and so concerned and to be aware that these experiences are happening and they can happen anywhere at any time. I remember uh, listening to a story about a certain uh, talk show news um, personality. And I recall a story in which he explained his sexual abuse happened when his mother would visit her best friend. And his mother's best friend had a son who was a number of years older than him. And so while his mother thinks that these boys are playing, the older boy was taking advantage of him. And when you don't know how to say no, when you are in that circumstance or in that situation and that that interaction crosses over into the lane of uh, inappropriateness, it can be challenging for a person to pull themselves out of that. And so what I believe the greatest thing that we can do is to prevent the circumstances from being there. And um, for, for a lot of people, you know, sexual abuse I'm talking about the uh, the perpetrators. They're opportunists. They're opportunists. And they take advantage of opportunities at the uh, slumber parties, at the, um, uh, at the schools, at the churches. We have to be so aware of the potential for these kinds of things to happen and get ahead of them. And the one thing that we can do is control the environment that our children are in. 
You know, and, and, and just in thinking about this, we want to control the environment our children are in at all times. I mean, you know, we have children who may go to their friend's house after school. Well, is there a gun in that house? You know, how many time, how many stories have we heard about, you know, one child showing another child their dad's gun collection and the gun goes off because there was a bullet in the chamber and the children don't know how to use it and maneuver it and handle it. And, uh, and there's an unfortunate accident or death. We should know the environment of where our children are in at all times. Um, not that trying to maintain control over where our children are will totally prevent this. You know, there have been childcare centers where there have been perpetrators that worked there that took advantage of the opportunity that they had to be alone with a child. So, you know, you know, outside of, you know, a mother not working and being with her child constantly, you know, but as we are doing everything that we can to keep our child protected, we should also begin as early as possible educating our children on boundaries, on what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, and the fact that just because it is an adult, you do not have to listen. Because it is an adult, you don't have to do something if it creates a discomfort in you. You say no, you run away, you do what you can to get to safety, and you and I will deal with those ramifications later. We have to empower our children to protect themselves if we're not going to be present to protect them. So, you know, in thinking about the kind of um, effects that child sexual abuse has on children who become adults, like I talked about just relationships. Um, and I, I recently was in a conversation and I heard someone refer to um, individuals as not liking men or hating men. And the first thing that came to mind was the two people that were being discussed are known to have been sexually violated by men. And I thought, well, you know, are we surprised that it may appear that these people don't like men or have a disdain towards men or have a discomfort with men or it possibly a hatred towards men? Um, I've known of um, older black men who, as they say, quote, hate white people because of the experience that they had with white people growing up, being uh, humiliated, being physically assaulted, um, being harassed by the police. I've heard of people who feel like I hate white people because of the racist, um, racist acts of white people where these people were humiliated, abused, traumatized. And when we're having these discussions and you say, yeah, you know, he doesn't like white people. And, and you tie that to a specific incident and it, then it makes sense to you. But when you have a woman or a man who has been sexually violated by men, it should come as no surprise that they may appear to have some kind of sensitivity when it comes to men. And so for us to avoid all of that, we have to protect our children. And so I'm just going to be very direct. We have to stop leaving our children with boyfriends, with uncles, 
with grandfathers, with brothers. If we need to go someplace, our children should be able to come with us, especially when we know our children could be at risk towards some awful violation that's going to have far-reaching consequences into their lives. Um, and, you know, growing up or with my children, I did not like for them not to be with me. Unfortunately, I had to work. Um, you know, I was a working mother, and my first uh, babysitter was a very, very dear friend of my family. It was an older lady, and she lived by herself. Um, and she was by herself nearly all of the time. I felt very confident, and she lived close enough where I could go visit my son, sons, during my lunch break, or I could just pop in, show up unannounced. And I felt very comfortable with that situation. And I was, I'm very fortunate for that, I must say, very, very fortunate. Um, you know, and I know that we all don't have that opportunity to have that, that level of comfort, that level of assurance. Um, but what we have to do really is refigure what we think about children and their value. Just the idea that a mother would have to leave her baby or leave her toddler because she has to, you know, go to work and be on a hamster wheel, or, you know, go in this rat race when the greatest, my opinion, the greatest work we can do is raise our children. Um, that's an unfortunate state that we have in America and across the world. Um, but what we also have to think about is how we can build a village where older women can support our younger sisters so that they can go through life and do what they have to do with the demands that modern culture puts on them in a way that they can feel comfortable, that their children are safe. We really have to think about extending our village. We have to think about being responsible for one another. But as mothers, there's no greater, no greater um, work than raising beautiful, healthy, happy children. And, you know, a good part of that responsibility includes protecting them. This is a sick world with sick people in it. Um, who prey on children. And for many of us, <laughs> it's the least expected person. It's the person that you may think would never do something like that. Um, and then there are cases where we all know that there's an individual who has a history and we may still leave our children alone. Um, I think that we have seen enough hor horrific news stories um, we've had enough experiences ourselves amongst us to be more proactive and to be more considerate about where we leave our children, our most prized possession, our gifts from the almighty creator. Um, and no child is exempt. This is happening to girls and to boys. Um, so I'm not just talking about protecting our girls. I'm talking about protecting our sons as well. Um, because sometimes what happens is we'll see these cycles repeat themselves. And it's better, I believe, 
that we not have to do the reparation or the repair later when we could do the protection today. And this may be a very somber uh, conversation to have. Maybe this isn't what you expected, you know, today on this podcast or this week's podcast. You know, but I think that it's just so important that we really examine how we treat children as a culture, what we think about children and our responsibility to children. Um, You know, the monster can be anybody and everywhere. And we have to, have to protect our babies. So I'm going to say it again. Sisters, stop leaving our sons and our daughters with strange men, our boyfriends who are not their fathers. And for me, I question even leaving them home by themselves with their fathers. It is not because I think that dad is, 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 is perverted. Um, and, you know, I mean no offense to any fathers, but what we know is that we are in a society that is sick. We are in a society that now has associations where grown-ups, adults, think it's normal to have love affairs with prepubescent children. This, this is the society that we live in. And for me, um, I would rather apologize for offending somebody because I'm not leaving my children with you. I'd rather apologize for a potential offense than have to regret and mourn the loss of innocence for my child. Um, And I think that you would probably feel the same way. So do everything that we can to protect our children. Um, Rethink our habits. Rethink our lifestyles. If we find ourselves often needing a babysitter, going places without our children, as a mother, wherever you go, your child should be able to go, um, excluding work perhaps. But anywhere we go, our children should be welcome with us. And this... um, will help maintain them, and it will definitely help maintain us. Our children, like I said earlier, are our most prized possession. We cannot take them for granted. We cannot take them for granted because they're going to be the next generation of adults. And if we leave them unprotected today, we're going to suffer the consequences tomorrow. I want to thank you for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. And until next time, Stay in peace. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at norazahira.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Noor Zahira Muhammad and on Instagram at Noor Z20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.